0: Hi, welcome to the Quipster Film Review Podcast. My name is Vince Leo. I am the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews. You can read there anytime, Quipster.net, Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. While you're there, I do encourage you to check out my other podcast. It covers films of the 1980s. The name of it is Around the World in 80s Movies. You can find the link to that at my website. That's at Quipster.net. Today, I'm gonna be looking at a fairly small film is actually getting around very slowly throughout various art house theaters. Generally speaking, you may have this near you. You may not. It actually may be appearing in a few weeks from now. It is called in fabric. It is a horror comedy well, it's really hard to <laughs> pigeonhole this film into a specific genre, but it is quite a different movie than most things you may have seen before. It's an R-rated film. It does have strong sexual content, including a scene of aberrant behavior <laughs> and some bloody images. The runtime is an hour and 58 minutes. Marianne Jean-Baptiste is, I guess, the closest thing to a main star. Fatma Muhammad, Leo Bill, Haley Squires, Gwendolyn Christie. Julian Barrett, Steve Orham, and many others are in this film. Peter Strickland is the director. He also writes the screenplay. Now, this is a film that's executive produced by Ben Wheatley, who has directed his own chair of smaller independent films over the last few years. In Fabric is a comedic horror film from Peter Strickland. Peter Strickland made critical splashes with prior small-scale efforts. He made the crafty giallo homage ...called Barbarian Sound Studio. He also made this fetishistic tale that's found in the film The Duke of Burgundy. All of those got some good critical acclaim. Now Strickland's penchant for exploring unique scenarios continues here with his more expansive story about this sexy red dress. It's actually called Artery Red in one of the advertisements for it. It's bought by a woman named Sheila, played by Marianne Jean-Baptiste. Sheila is a lonely and recently divorced middle-aged London bank clerk. She goes into this department store called Dentley and Sober, a bizarre department store that may be selling haunted wares during the rush of its January sales. Way more to the story than that. In fact, the dress ends up in multiple hands in the course of this film. So it's not explicitly stated in the story here, but the setting is sometime in the early 1990s. Strickland has gone on in interviews to state that the actual year is 1993 specifically. That was long before cell phones or the internet would become ubiquitous. Lonely people would end up having to meet each other, usually through classified ads called the Lonely Hearts section in london papers the department stores were very much a place at that time to go see the latest goods and it would become a sort of a a hub a meeting place a lot like the malls in america where people would congregate and they would spend a lot of their free time browsing around for something that would give their own lives some pizzazz or at least the promise of it clothing catalogs sold not only the wares but the way that the clothing was destined to make the wearer's lives better at least that's how the advertisements would run due to their purchase. One similarly palatial clothing store Strickland remembered from his youth, they had pneumatic tubes that shot up the money that the customers would give, and then they would wait for the change to return back in those tubes. He used that as the inspiration for the store that's depicted in this film. Now, although you can view In Fabric as a straightforward narrative with a lot of weird stylistic choices, I think that Peter Strickland here is appearing to delve into something deeper in resonance. He explores the power that clothing has in how people are treated, as well as the corrosive aspects of consumerism. They say that, you know, clothes make demand, but this story explores the idea that the maker of the clothing also contributes a role into making that man or woman as well as the seller of that clothing and really anyone who may have worn that clothing in the past if you buy it secondhand clothes make people happy some make them sad if you're wearing something or you come across something that was once worn by a lost loved one it may make you sad Some clothing is meant to provoke others into turning heads. Clothes can turn on or turn off. Take, for instance, someone else's undergarments. That can be a turn on or a turn off, depending on how you come across them. It can be seen as unsanitary or maybe particularly appealing if you have that certain fixation. Clothes can make someone feel good about their body, or it may not, depending on how they fit. You can even feel good about yourself or not, depending on what clothes you're wearing. It can give you a certain confidence, and you may get some compliments from others because of the clothing that you're wearing. Now, If Fabric could have come across as just a cheapy B-movie horror excursion if it weren't for Strickland's commitment to his characterizations. He gets strong performances here from a very talented cast of character actors. Marianne Jean-Baptiste, who came to Strickland on the recommendation of Toby Jones, who starred in Barbarian Sound Studio... She plays sheila she gets the most screen time and she delivers an entirely sympathetic character that does draw us into her story of trying to find love and acceptance in this world of men who seem to only have love and acceptance for themselves there's also romanian born actress fatma muhammad she's a regular in peter strickland's films he actually wrote the part that she portrays with her in mind here she gives the most high profile performance It's a comical but quite bizarre role of the manager of the department store named Miss Luckmore. After Peter Strickland met up with Gwendolyn Christie, if you know that name, you probably recognize her as Brienne of Tarth on the TV show Game of Thrones, which used to appear on HBO before it completed its run, she expressed her love for Strickmore's Duke of Burgundy, and they ended up having a chat. Strickland ended up offering her this small supporting role as Gwen, just coincidentally, the provocateur brunette who sees Sheila's son named Vince. He's a struggling artist in this film. Veteran English musician Barry Adamson is also quite impressive in a small role as the more sympathetic of Sheila's suitors. Although Peter Strickland develops his character with a sympathetic eye, the film does become a bit of a metaphor for the nature of terminal diseases in a certain respect. Those people who end up coming into contact with the dress end up appearing to manifest cancerous growths that they mostly shrug off, at least at first. In this way, the affliction of the dress is very much like getting cancer, which doesn't really care whether you're a good person or a bad person, or if you deserve this lot in life. There's no judgment involved in its actions. Its evil will strike its victims independent of whether those victims themselves are good or evil, just like disease itself. It doesn't question your morality or your ethics or your character. The sexuality within the film occurs between several sets of people. Initially, you feel that Sheila, who has not been in a relationship in some time, is just not going to be able to find it. She ends up becoming jealous of her son's sexual relationship to the point where she can't help but spy on his activities when they are presented in front of her. We contrast this with another couple that we meet later. They're a much younger set of characters, but they've been together for about 15 years. They have unrelated conversations during their sex acts as if they're stuck in a mode of autopilot in their lives. They've been together so long that even intimate actions for most people are now perfunctory and impersonal. Meanwhile, the tenders of the department stores seem to have something more sinister, perhaps even more supernatural, going on during their closing hours. They perform strange sexual blood rituals that appear to be almost vampiric by their nature. Sex and death to them are so closely aligned, they appear to connotate one and the same. They're symbolized by this dress that allures with its notions of sexuality, but its nature is one that is more deadly, people come to find. Motifs also explore manipulation here, especially by the department store coven, if you want to call them that. We see recurring visions of hands with fingers spread apart. Maybe that's symbolizing the manipulation as if these are the hands of puppeteers utilizing their skills and some sort of dark magic to cause things to move on their own, including the infamous dress, which seems to have a life of its own when people are not really as observant. Mannequins also play into this. They are designed to display fashions like the dress, but they are also manipulated by those who run the commercial establishments to entice those looking for something more in their lives that they feel they are missing, and they end up playing up to that. Mannequins are also eerie and unnerving to observe as well. The fabric itself is like a net. It's woven so finely that there actually may not be a means of easy escape if you end up getting trapped underneath a fabric garment like these. As we come to realize that the dress might actually be indestructible to a certain degree, we find it even more unnerving because those who sleep or they're unaware at the time they come into contact with it, they might become victims to it at any moment. In reality, clothing is not indestructible, but there is a nature of it that suggests that many pieces of clothing do live on beyond its wearer. If you end up purchasing a piece of wardrobe at a thrift store, there's a strong likelihood that that piece has had another life, maybe multiple lives, and the histories with other people. At some point, people got their skin, their perspiration, perhaps even their blood, maybe more, into it before we've tried it on for ourselves and put our own bodies into them. Indeed, body fluids are a core motif in In in-fabric, which is our immediate connection with our clothing, that clothing tends to soak up our essence, whether we are conscious of it or not. Of course, most of that has long been washed out prior to our use, but the red dress in this film is shown to be impervious to cleaning in a way. It retains all of those innate qualities, those histories, which its wearers cannot eradicate by simple means. Textures here also play an important role. The feel of the fabric, of skin touching skin, it's the sensuality of it, and that which promotes a certain fetishism. Voices are important as well, and the soothing nature of listening to an overtly detailed ASMR-worthy explanation of the problems that a washing machine might have will send the listener into this other place. They're checked out into the realm of their own thoughts where they might daydream if they don't end up falling asleep altogether, catalogs here are flipped open, they're rustled, there is a kind of comfort in the sound of its pages turning, or maybe some alarm in seeing or hearing them get crumpled or shredded in anger. There's an, an elegance of Miss Luckmore's delivery that heightens the allure, even if it makes little practical sense within the moment. It's an aesthetic way of speaking. The music here from Stereo Lab co founder Tim Gain and his banned cavern of antimatter that's also composed to lull the viewer into this trance-like state it drifts into the realm of the fantasy world the fashion as a form of its own magic also the motif in manipulation is reflected here regarding the arbitrary rules that are imposed out of either control or jealousy or boredom from the workplace or department stores or restaurants other family members even board games have their own set of rules everyone seems to be looking to find a way to exert control. Through those rules over somebody else. In addition to the world of fashion, Strickland, who is a Brit. Who currently lives in Budapest, Hungary? He tends to be playing up comedy here about the doldrums of everyday London life that cause such reactions to the clothing. Eventually, you have a stale marriage, you have microaggressive human resource reps at work who have to engage in controlling every aspect of behavior for the mildest of offenses by their employees. There are echoes here of the BBC version of The Office, for instance. Those can be brought to mind when you're watching these scenes. This is a life of fleeting pleasures and mounting irritation for many, and this demeaning work is what we do in order to afford to live, hopefully, a life of leisure. But even that life begins to not seem so much different than work once all of the flavor ends up getting drained out of it over time. Clothing does provide one of the means to escape, to feel different about our current situation We get a new piece of clothing. We're able to show it off. We feel different about ourselves. We feel like the things around us are becoming different as well. We feel like we could add some spice or some spark to get us out of our current ruts, and that's the importance that clothing does provide and one of the things that's explored here. Now, In Fabric is a bizarre film. At times, it's uneven in its execution. Maybe it's a little bit long, maybe a little bit meandering for its type of film, but there is... Enough ingenuity here in the story to keep things, I think, interesting for most who are open to it. Good characterizations, a quality cast of performance they help bring all of these ideas to life. I think Peter Strickland here, he threads the proverbial line between giving us just enough weight to feel properly unnerved by the horror of it, but just enough wink and a nod, enough humor here to accept the ridiculousness of the events that end up transpiring. I think he balances it very well, and it ends up being quite funny and quite horrific at the same time in many ways. Now, while it's playing mostly as a dark comedy version of, say, a a Daria Argento film in a sense, In Fabric does leave an effective haunting impression when it comes to clothing, so much so that you'll probably recall it on your next visit to a clothing store or a thrift store where you observe the power that clothing actually has in the lives of all of us. So. A lot here to think about. Enough to give it three stars out of four. It's kind of a borderline call, but this was my first time watch, I suppose, if I watch it again. And I do think that I would like to watch it again fairly soon. Maybe I'll kick it up a little bit higher. For, for right now, three stars out of four is what I'll give it. Three stars on my scale means that I do recommend it for people who like this kind of movie. Certainly, if you've seen Peter Strickland's films before, if you like jalo oriented films, even though Strickland says he didn't emphasize giallo techniques here, it does still very much feel like it. Barbarian Sound Studio definitely was a giallo-oriented inspired film this one has a lot of elements of that as well if you like your indie films especially the new type of horror film that emphasizes much more on filmmaking on characters on techniques than they do on actually jump scares or what have you i think you'll also get some mileage out of this enough to recommend it to you so three stars out of four is what i give in fabric thanks everyone for listening i hope that you enjoyed this review if you've seen in fabric and you have your own thoughts on this maybe i didn't cover here you want to get in touch with me you can find my contact information at my website that's at quipster.net q-w-i-p-s-t-e-r dot i do encourage you to also check out my twitter feed my facebook page and my instagram you can find links to them all at my website at quipster.net until next time thanks everyone for listening and please enjoy your time anytime you get to go to the movies